This podcast provides general information about the law, not specific legal advice. The licensed attorney speaking on this podcast cannot take the place of a competent private attorney who can provide proper legal advice only after hearing the specific facts of your case. You're listening to Law and Caution, Protection Through Legal Education, brought to you by Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada. Hello, my name is Josh Lozano. I'm a law student at the William S. Boyd School of Law, and I'm here today with an attorney from the Guardianship Advocacy Project at the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada, and our first guest, non-attorney, also the executive director and founder of Foster Kinship. So first, I'd like to introduce Marina Dahlia Hunt. She is a staff attorney who currently specializes in representing vulnerable children in minor guardianship proceedings. She's also the commissioner of her fantasy football league. So imagine trying to win an argument over your commissioner whose uh, day job is she is an attorney. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? <laughs> doing well. And then we also have Ali Caliendo. She was nice enough to drop by, uh, the executive director and founder of Foster Kinship, a nonprofit organization created in 2011 to help the over 30,000 children in Nevada living with caregiver relatives. Uh, Today, we're discussing the hidden foster care, how to preserve your rights and guardianship or foster care. First, we're going to discuss what is uh, the hidden foster care system, the differences between guardianship and foster care, and your rights as either the relative or parent of the child. Uh, In the description of this episode, you will find links for all the resources we mentioned, such as signups for the free guardianship class held here at the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada every Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. You'll also find timestamps so you can jump ahead to the topics you're looking for. All right, well, let's just get started. So uh, either one of you can jump on this, but describe what is hidden foster care system, especially to an audience member that might not even know the difference between guardianship and foster care. They don't understand. I'll I'll let Allie start with it. Perfect. Yeah, I'm happy to supplement. So (laughs) it's probably important to start with what is kinship care or Mm non-parental care. So anytime a child is unable to live with either of their um, biological parents and they're staying with a relative caregiver, we call that kinship care. Mm -hmm. The foster care system is anytime a child is legally separated from their parent for some sort of reason and they enter the formal foster care system and the system itself becomes the guardian of the child. So in Clark County, it's Department of Family Services. They are the caregivers of the children and then the child is placed with either a traditional foster parent or a relative. So that's foster care. Hidden foster care is when our child welfare system is involved in the separation of a child from their parent, but there is no legal oversight or process by which the parent has any rights um, that are, you know, represented by an attorney. There is no judge making a decision. A child is often sort of diverted into a kinship placement with grandma, most likely, or with an aunt or a cousin, um, and there is no foster care involved. However, our foster care system or our CPS uh, has kind of been part of that in some way. So we consider that hidden foster care. Mm. And I think, so at Legal Aid, we provide direct legal representation to most minors in guardianship proceedings, right? We've started in 2020. We've represented thousands of children in this system. What we've observed from working with this population, because of course we have, we speak with the family members seeking guardianship over their loved one, is the families often feel coerced. And it's not just the parent feeling coerced, it's the caregiver as well. So they, and we've hundreds of stories we could talk about, but we have many parents and caregivers who feel like they learned from the CPS worker who responded to the report of a situation of abuse or neglect 
that if they did not seek out guardianship, then the child would be removed from the parents' care and the grandma, auntie, cousin, godparents' care and placed in foster care. And what we have learned through working with this population is most people conceptualize foster care as a stranger in an orphanage. Mm -hmm. And that's not the reality. The law requires that CPS first and foremost look at a relative placement. And of course, there are background issues that might preclude placement and not everyone is positioned to take in a child. But we know that at a minimum, CPS kind of benefits from people's lack of knowledge when they're hoping that a case can close out with guardianship. And then, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but one of the really unfortunate aspects, I mean, there's many unfortunate aspects to it, but what a lot of people don't know when they enter into the 159A system, which is the guardianship system, is there are way fewer resources than in the dependency system. So I think from a legal perspective, one of the most difficult things to reckon with as an attorney is independency, everyone gets an attorney. So the state has an attorney. All parents have free attorneys and the children have free attorneys. In guardianship, there's us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do like we're free attorneys. We fight for our, our clients' rights, but parents have rights too. Children have rights to be with their parents if it's safe. And there's no social workers, there's no case plans, and there's no financial resources, not really. Um, so people don't know what they're giving up. Yeah. And they're in the moment, they're saying, okay, I don't want my kid in foster care, but they don't have the resources to know what that looks like long term. And yeah. can I describe sort of the situation that we see most often? Because we've seen hundreds and hundreds of these cases come through foster kinship where we're trying to provide resources for the families. They will describe a situation of crisis where they are called out by a CPS worker either to Child Haven or on location at a hospital, let's say, if a child is born. And the conversation usually goes like, if you don't, do guardianship or temporary guardianship, then this child will go into foster care. And so there is not the clear understanding of if the child enters the foster care system, they could be placed with you, you could get trained, you could get um, paid. There's a lot of support. Whereas if you do this guardianship route, there is really no financial support. There is no training. There is nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really, there is no clear description of here's this, these two paths. It's just do this or else foster care. Yes. And for those in the audience, what they eloquently said, really dumb, simplified way is basically imagine that something happened. uh, You hear a knock on your door and basically you're told, listen, if you don't take this kid right now, what's going to happen is you're going to lose your ability to see him. So imagine you're a grandparent, uncle, aunt, anything like that. And then basically, if you were going to go through the proper avenues, let's just say through the actual foster care system, you would get a lot of state funded certain benefits. There's a lot of guardrails. Uh, but because they're telling you, uh, you have to take them right now, you basically caught in no man's land. So you're in this place where you're not getting any of these benefits that you should be getting. And then also to the, the fear uh, that people just assume foster care automatically means that the kid's going to go somewhere in a home. What's really important to understand is if you do go through the foster care system, you can be the, the one that actually gets the child. And I guess answer this too, one misconception I saw is some people say, well, if I sign up, to be the foster care of you know my relative, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to take in all these other random uh, children. While I love mine, I don't necessarily know if I'll love all these other ones. So can you guys speak on that misconception too? Yeah, it's a very common uh, fear that relatives have if they become licensed as foster parents that they'll have to take in strangers' children. There is a mechanism where they can get a child-specific license. They're licensed on a kinship track. It's different than the traditional foster parent licensing. Um, And it's just for those children. So one of the big things foster kinship does is just try to dispel these myths and these fears 
and say, no, this is an equity issue. If this child was placed in a traditional foster care home, they would be receiving these payments and you deserve them as well. Let's go ahead and get you licensed for this child. Mm -hmm. So I I know we already kind of talked about the difference between guardianship, foster care, but is it ever too late to decide to go with the foster care route? If, for example, uh, you were kind of scared in the moment and you did say, okay, well, I don't want to lose my relative here, so I'll just take him in. They said, I got to take him in right now. So unfortunately, yes. Um, so what, how CPS responds to threats of harm to children is, I mean, is, is a danger model, our present danger model. So they, they'll get a hotline call, our probably most frequent example that we get in guardianship is a substance exposed infant. Okay, so baby's born substance exposed. We know that mom was using, say, methamphetamine throughout her pregnancy. And we have two different routes, right? We have CPS comes, takes the baby, places the baby in foster care, but that might be with grandma. Or we have grandma saying, oh no, I'll take the baby, or CPS saying, take this baby or else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once that kid is safe with probably even a relative who's willing to pursue guardianship, hasn't even gotten it yet, but is willing to pursue guardianship, the case is probably going to close. So there's mm-hmm. a very, very tight window um, where there's still a danger. We have worked with individual families where guardianship was absolutely inappropriate. The family needed more resources to suggest making a CPS hotline call, asking for help with limited success. Um, we've had after guardianships have been denied for procedural reasons, I'm happy to get into Mm -hmm. that, but it's a difficult process to do on your own to get a guardianship. It's not straightforward. It's not easy. And especially if you're juggling now nine new kids in your house, (laughs) you have to serve 18 sets of grandparents. It's very, very difficult. Um, so once the guardianship has been denied, maybe CPS might reopen a case or there might be a new report, but really the moment of the threat of removal is probably your one chance unless you're willing to do something as extreme as bringing the child to child haven and saying, I'm not able to take this. And I think, and I think Allie probably told me this story, so I don't want to step on her toes at all. But I think we had a, we worked with a family who attempted to get CPS help and they basically said, well, you're saying that you can't help this family. So why would we make you placement now? You're saying you can't get guardianship, so why on earth would you be qualified to be a foster mm. placement? So they're using they're using the, the words, yeah. yeah. For help. So yeah, you can take them, no questions asked. We're going to kind of close the case. And foster kinship sees these families two, three weeks afterwards when they're like, oh, I really need some help. And they'll find us. And that window is closed. We've very rarely been able to push back. And if you can get them in that moment of diversion when it's happening, it's that fear between an individual and their family member and their government entity that's saying, you know, we have the power. And so even if there isn't real active coercion, it's still, it's still an unfair power balance. And they can't turn back once they agree to go this other route. Okay, and then if so. they do ask for help, yeah, well, why would we place with you? You can't do this. So we'll take the baby in place with a stranger. It's nonsense. Yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate. And that's why hopefully this podcast will help some people avoid being in this situation and they'll be at least better know their options and that way they can uh, talk to people like uh, Allie or uh, Marina. So you both explained well that, well, unfortunately, if you agree to this situation, you're kind of stuck and locked in. So let's backtrack it a little bit more, which is, okay, you don't agree, but you're still worried. Okay, I'm afraid they're going to take, take them away. How long does the say relative have to make the decision before the threat of the child being taken away comes into fruition? So 
There's a couple of answers to that question. So first, the state has an interest in placing kids with relatives as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So newborn baby, no one on earth wants that baby languishing at Child Haven. There's a crisis at Child Haven right now, too. And I just want to like say as an aside, this is not saying foster care is perfect. Absolutely. There's a million problems with foster care, too. This is just focusing on these specific families where Mm -hmm. the guardianship system is not set up to meet their needs. I just want to be very clear. I'm not saying foster care is amazing or anything like that because (laughs) it's not. And there's a lot of problems with foster care, of course. Um, And removal is a trauma. And I don't want to minimize that. But CPS has an interest in placing the child as fast as possible. So it could be a matter of hours or days, but you will need to be background checked, make sure there's nothing in your background. That's to protect the child, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're living with someone who's committed multiple acts of child abuse, who's been convicted of felonies relating to child abuse or say sexual assault, probably not going to be placement, but the the time that it will take is relatively short. Once a child has been removed, the court has to hold a hearing within 72 business hours to confirm that the removal was necessary. And that's a point where there will be an update on placement. There's, unlike in guardianship independency, there are rigid timetables for checking in on Mm -hmm. um, placement and the adjudicatory phase. And I'm not a cap attorney, so I'm not an expert (laughs) in this, but there are set regulations that must be followed um, for the timeline. So it would be, I would imagine it'd be relatively quick. You can't be like licensed right away to get like the stipend, Mm -hmm. but you can be placement pretty much right away, assuming you don't have any background issues. So if you're worried your, you know, kiddo's going to like be at Child Haven for six months before they can come to your house, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be a much faster timeline. And I will say guardianship, while the kid can stay with you, if you're filing for guardianship today, you're getting (laughs) today, August 18th, you're getting a hearing. December 1st. Mm. Just to quickly summarize that, guardianship, it's going to take some time. Foster care, if you do decide to do that and you are a relative, your close relation, their goal is to try and get that done as fast as possible. So you don't have to worry, well, I have to take them in right now. I don't have time to go through the foster care process straight from uh, Marina. So is there anything you wanted to add with that? I'm going to say, you know, the real question is if it's an option to go the foster care route. And a lot of times it's not an option or mm-hmm. it's not brought up. So in that case, the window of families who are could go either into foster care or on the um, hidden foster care side, it's, you know, depends on the length of the case for the CPS investigator. Mm-hmm. And that really is different from every investigator, depending on what they're looking at. So we've seen anything from a couple hours to a couple of days to a couple of weeks where there's this chance that the family could say the right thing and this child could um, have the benefit of the foster care system, or um, they might close with a family said they will do guardianship. So there's a window there for that, but it's, it's short and it's different in every situation. So if you find yourself in this situation, try and uh, get connected with uh, people who are able to provide you with specific information pertaining to the f- specific facts of your case, uh, the sooner the better. So. I know we kind of lightly touched on it, uh, the benefits of being the state support system. So what are some of the common situations that you've both seen where, unfortunately, they, they, foster care would have been, a, the, that system would have been a great benefit for them, but they're missing out on X or they're missing out on Y because they don't have that. So what are some of the common ones that you see so that way the audience can be like, wow, I didn't even know that was something that I could have got? Let me kind of back up just a little bit and talk about the legal framework mm-hmm. of the two systems. So with dependency, in almost every case, the goal of a dependency case, so foster care case, is reunification. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't end in reunification, it's going to end with 
a guardianship through that system, termination of parental rights and adoption, or the child aging out. In guardianship, there's no goal of guardianship. It just kind of exists, right? Guardianship mm -hmm. existed initially to take care of orphans, right? So the kind of classic example we think of is both parents die in a car accident. You as a parent put in your will, I want, if I pass away and my spouse passes away, I want my sister to take my kids. That's mm -hmm. what we think of as what guardianship is for, but that's not the population that's actually within guardianship. So the population that's actually within guardianship is the exact same population that's within the dependency system. It's children who've experienced sexual assault, child abuse, have witnessed domestic violence, have multiple parents struggling with substance abuse, and then some that are unavailable because of death or incarceration, deportation. We see it all, but the populations are the same. And I think as a children's attorney, where our clients, our minor clients really miss out are especially on the cases involving physical and sexual abuse, um, where there are there's access to specialized treatment providers that are only available within the dependency system, um, where the same therapist can't take regular Medicaid, right, but could take the kid if they were within the foster care system. I think kids with special needs and disabilities not served well by the dependency system but it's also quite challenging for grandma to figure out on her own how to navigate an IEP, especially if English isn't her first language. It's a challenging mm -hmm. system for anyone. Um, so not having that extra support probably hurts those kids too. And then I think the group that for me as a children's attorney gives me the most heartburn <laughs> is the pre-verbal kids. So mm -hmm. say zero to four, when you enter in a guardianship, and this is a, what I, if anyone takes anything away from this, what I'd want a parent to take away from this is, Guardianship has a tiered system for termination, okay? So Nevada law and Nevada Supreme Court has said, there's a guardianship, someone seeks a guardianship over your child, and you as a parent leader want to terminate that guardianship. If you consented to the guardianship, you need to show, if you want to terminate it, that you've corrected the reasons for need for guardianship and that you've been restored to suitability. So you can provide for your child's basic needs and that you're safe. If you did not consent, not if you objected, if you did not affirmatively consent, what you need to show is all of that. Plus, you have to show that terminating the guardianship would substantially improve your child's well-being. Hmm. It's very amorphous. And in the hundreds of cases I've done, I think I've seen it satisfied twice. It's incredibly difficult. So if you are considering a guardianship, if you think it's right for your family, consent to the guardianship. Hmm. Because otherwise, you are going to have a case where your mom or your sister has your kid for five, 10 years. And then if you want to terminate, you're not going to be able to terminate it. Yeah. So uh, real quick summary, basically, uh, you know, in the moment you can say, well, I don't, I don't want them to take it. I'm going to fight this. Right. But then unfortunately, uh, if you don't consent to it down the road, you make it extremely difficult uh, to ever have the ability to become the guardian of the, of the child again? The, to terminate the guardianship. To terminate the guardianship, I mean. So while it might go against your instincts to just kind of consent to it, in the long run, it might be your best option. And just as a reminder, you will have a case plan in a dependency case, right? If you're abusing substances, you will need to do substance abuse treatment. If you're in a domestic violence relationship, you probably will need to separate from your abusive partner. You may need to take parenting classes. There's a whole list of things that you'll be given as conditions for return, having your child return to you, you will not get that in guardianship. No one's going to give you a bullet point list. And no one's <laughs> going to connect you with services. So for those, that's why the little kids really give me heartburn is because I know that parents would want to be able to have like a checklist, right? To reunify with their babies. But in guardianship, you don't have any of that. And then you're going to come back five years later and wonder why 
you can't get your kid back. Mm. And Foster Kinship has been tracking this data too, because there is no way of tracking data um, statewide or nationally on hidden foster care, but we've been tracking it. And children who end up in kinship care in the foster care system, they go home 40 to 60% of the time. So there is a lot of resources for the parent and that child and that child reunifies. Kids in hidden foster care who do not have that oversight, 10% of those kids end up reunifying, which is horrific because mm. children should be with their parents when that's all possible. There's no pathway for this child to reunify on the guardianship side. So if a parent isn't consenting, is it really appropriate at that point to do a guardianship? It mm. seems like that family needs more support in a system designed to help families who are experiencing child abuse, neglect, substance abuse, all of that. And then uh, with that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to do the, the Truth Game Show. Basically, I'm going to be asking them some typical myths about foster care that I saw online, common ones, and I'm going to ask them whether they're true or not. So we'll be right back. Navigating family life matters on your own can be a challenge. The Family Law Self-Help Center is here to help. Located at the Family Courts and Services Center on Pecos and Bonanza, we are open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., we are here to offer free, comprehensive legal information regarding procedures and documents. We can provide pre-fillable forms to help simplify your process. Remember, while we can provide referrals and legal information, we can never provide legal advice. You should always consult a licensed attorney who can give you assistance tailored to the specific facts of your situation. Our mission is to increase informed access to the legal system, regardless of income, assets, or citizenship. Visit www.familylawselfhelpcenter.org for more information. All right, uh, welcome back. So now what we're going to do is we're going to do the, uh, the truth game show. I'm going to ask these two basically some common myths or misconceptions, and then I'm going to see whether those are true or not. So here we go. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. No, the defense is wrong. All right, so I don't think I can qualify to be a foster parent because I'm single. Is that true? False. 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 Okay. Per See, you can also be a guardian. <laughs> also be guardian. There's no qualification that you must be uh, married or in a relationship. No. Okay, perfect. So number two. I'm afraid that I'm either too old or too young to qualify. Yeah. You do need to be 21 to mm -hmm. be licensed unless there's some sort of, you know, waiver, which can happen with adult siblings who take in their, their sister or brother and they're 19, 20 years old. We'll fight for them, but 21. Yeah. And guardians can be 18. Um, and you can be too old to be a foster parent as well. I, I think a court would have concerns about, say, a 90-year-old wanting to be foster placement for a one-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible, but I think the court would probably have some questions. Perfect. So you heard it here from these two. All right. Um, I have to be a U.S. citizen to be a foster parent. That is not true. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be. No. Perfect. And then I get the last one is... Uh, I have a lot of pets. <laughs> Would this disqualify me? That was a common one I saw too. Okay, well, if you have pets, we need to have a picture of all your pets. We need to, if it's a dog or a cat, they do have to be up to date on their rabies shot. Mm -hmm. If you have exotic animals, there may be some questions, but no, you can have all the pets as long as you have them properly taken care of, you can still be a foster parent. 
Perfect. So those are those are four that I saw that were extremely common. So that's why I just wanted to do this fast, quick little game show. Thank you both for playing. Uh, during the break, you two were talking about uh, the questions that a person in this situation should ask in the moment. Can you both just elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I'll let Marina take it from the legal perspective. Mm -hmm. But when a family, so with grandma, let's say, and mom are in this situation where there's an active potential diversion, we really want to give people the words and the language to feel confident enough to at least ask questions, sort of what are my rights? Would I be allowed to be a placement for this child if they end up in foster care? Um, what does that process look like? And so we want to give some of those words to families in this situation. So from a legal perspective, I would say first, and this is just for anything, I would say get whatever the request or suggestion or demand is in writing. Um, so within the CPS system, there is a process for something called a present danger plan, a PDP, mm -hmm. um, where a caseworker should go through and explain exactly the role of say grandma and mom and how mom can visit and if she can have super unsupervised visits whatever the case may be i would say if they're demanding that you get guardianship um in lieu of the child being removed i would say get that request in writing i would say call the supervisor i'm a complainer so i would always call the supervisor and i would specifically say are you saying i have to get guardianship or my child will go into foster care um i would ask for an attorney. Candidly, I don't think you'll get one. Um, you would get one if your child was removed. And I, I mean, you're not going to get one if you don't ask. And I don't think you'll get one, but I think you should still ask. I think you should ask, can't, will I still be able to visit my child? What is my role in my child's life? Um, I think it would be worth asking, you know, why would I, what are the benefits of guardianship for me? CPS should not be giving you legal advice, mm -hmm. right? They're not lawyers. They're social workers. They have a very hard and important job, but they're not lawyers. Um, so they shouldn't be giving you legal advice. Um, I know if someone is deciding to seek guardianship, they can go to the self, either self-help center and ask for the forms. Um, they can get basic information. They can call foster kinship and they can get information once they file. Um, legal, uh, an attorney from legal aid will most likely be appointed for the child. They can, we can give information, but CPS should not be giving you information. Um, CPS should not be filling out forms for you. CPS definitely shouldn't be filing forms for you. Um, hmm. They shouldn't really even be mentioning yeah. guardianship or temporary guardianship. And so if they're mentioning it, it's not really truly a family plan that was in place prior. Um, so please don't say it's a family plan. If it's not a family plan, just be honest, it's not yeah. a family plan and you have no intention of seeking guardianship. Mm -hmm. And I, and again, this is just as a lawyer, I, what the court is going to have, right. When they're looking at a case is they're going to have basic records from what CPS documented. If the court requests it, they're going to get full records. Mm -hmm. Um, that won't include everything, but they're much more detailed, right? If it were me, as a lawyer and as somebody who likes to complain, if I was being told, you better go get guardianship or I'm putting this kid in foster care, you're not going to see them, I would be writing that down and sending it into an email <laughs> to the caseworker and seeing the supervisor and saying, my understanding from our conversation on this date is I must go get guardianship or you are removing my grandson and placing them in foster care and I will not be allowed to be placement. If that is incorrect, please correct me. Mm. I think, you know... This is a difficult system, right? We, there isn't a lot of data on it because they don't need to track this data. 
There are other states where relatives have sued because of this practice, because it is a, an invasion of your due process right to parent your child. Um, there have been settlements that have changed this practice. There's a lawsuit going on in Nevada relating to this practice with just a temporary guardianship, not with a general guardianship, which is the court-ordered guardianship, but a temporary guardianship. So if it were me and I wanted to make sure I was preserving my rights long-term, I would get everything in writing. And I know, I haven't been in this experience, but I work in this area, I know CPS is scary. As a parent, it's scary, right? Mm -hmm. Just the prospect of CPS coming to take your kids is terrifying. But I think you should feel empowered to say no. They have to, they, there are certain metrics they have to meet. There are certain legal requirements to remove children. If those aren't met, your kids will be returned to you, right? They have to be by law. There is a court process. And, you know, in the foster care system, you're going to have a court hearing in 72 hours. In guardianship, it's going to be about 12 weeks. Mm. Guardianship is right for some families. Dependency is right for some families. I would just want you to know, ask questions. Yeah. I'd say our, our motto at Foster Kinship is just we want to give accurate information at the right time so families can make the best decision. And this is an area where they just need more information at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those in the audience, just remember that all this is different tools in your belt and what might work for others might not necessarily work for you. But what's most important is that you know what all your options are. So you're not making a decision uh, that might not be the best for you, those around you. With that, we're going to wrap up, but is there anything that you two wanted to plug or mention before we finish? I wanted to mention a couple of things. <laughs> um, so one, um, I have a lot of things on my mind, <laughs> but just since we're in the back to school season, mm -hmm. we get a lot of petitions at the beginning of the year for guardianship, not just hidden foster care, but general guardianship where a kiddo has been living with a grandparent for many years, right? Um, where they're suddenly running into a school enrollment issue because they don't have guardianship paperwork. You should be able to get your kid enrolled in school um, without a guardianship through the school's Title I coordinator. Um, so just ask for the Title I coordinator at your, uh, at your kid's school if you need help enrolling a student. Like I said, guardianship takes a while. The hearings are really far out. Um, so you don't want your kid to miss three plus months of school because you're waiting on this guardianship. Mm -hmm. The second um, is the number one reason we see guardianships denied is because of service. So if you're seeking and service is the rule that is who you have to tell you're trying to get guardianship over a kid. Okay. You have to tell all known and living parents and all known and living grandparents, any siblings over the age of 14. And if the kid gets Medicaid, the Department of Health and Human Services. You will, when you file for guardianship, you will get a packet of information that I know is probably daunting. It's thick and there's a lot of stuff you have to read through. If you do not properly serve your petition and citation 20 days before the hearing and then file proof of mailing, your guardianship will be denied and you'll have to start over. You'll have to get a new hearing and it's going to be another three plus months out. So please serve, please focus on the service and serve people correctly. Um, and then the third thing and last thing is, I know a lot of people come to seek guardianship when there's an emergency. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that that's why the, suddenly the kid's been living with you for a while. Suddenly there's an emergency. Maybe mom wants the kid back. You don't think it's safe. Maybe there's a medical emergency. Um, it's incredibly difficult to get a temporary guardianship pending the general hearing. It is possible but very very difficult and i would just say if you think your kid needs a, the kid you're taking care of needs a temporary guardianship 
the more information, the better, mm -hmm. especially for medical issues. Get a letter from a doctor. Um, otherwise, it's probably not going to be granted. You might still get guardianship, but the emergency is happening right now in August, not end of November. So just the more information, the better. Is there anything? Thank you for that, too. I think those, that's extremely helpful. Is it <laughs> practice tips from the field. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to say before we wrap up? Just any kinship caregiver in any situation, whether it be foster care, hidden foster care, or just a private arrangement, foster kinship can help in any circumstance. Just outline the options and provide resources and make sure they're accessing all the financial help that they are entitled to. Um, and we're just here. So please, no matter what, reach out to foster kinship. We'll do our best to, to support. Yeah. And then links for all the resources like the self-help center, uh, foster kinship, all that will be in the description below. Uh, thank you both for taking the time. I know how busy both of your schedules are. So thank you for doing this. And hopefully uh, to those listening, you can walk away with this a little bit better informed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Law and Caution, protection through legal education. Links to helpful resources can be found in the description. Have a great day.